Happy Monday, everyone. This is Bree of the Compassionately You podcast. I have Amy Kelso. She's an author, writer, speaker, and publisher. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing real good today. How are you doing? Doing great, and we're so happy to have you here. Amy and I have connected on the um, Veronica Kieran's private Facebook group, and she's just such a light in this world, and she does a lot of work in a field that is very close to my heart, and that is a plug um, for what she does. So Amy researches a lot about what a tender-hearted person is. Um, so Amy, tell us a little bit about what a tender-hearted person is. Okay, so the term tender heart um, kind of kind of coined the term to de- describe somebody who is um, the term that I or the phrase I use is somebody who feels a lot and often hurts a lot as a result. Um, so I myself was a tender-hearted child and I'm now a tender-hearted adult. I've also been a teacher for 15 years. Um, I have tender-hearted children of my own. And through all that, I have really seen the struggles that they go through. And I think most people don't necessarily understand that. And so I want to try to help support them in every way that I can. We all appreciate that because every child is different. And I don't think that the tender-hearted child is talked about very often or just the tender-hearted adult. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, so when did you first notice that you were a tender heart? What was that defining moment? <laughs> I think I've always known. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't think of a, a specific moment. I just, I've always taken things very much to heart um, for good and bad. You know, it, it's a wonderful trait. It also can be difficult at times to live with or, or to, you know, my family with our extra living with me sometimes when I break down over something that seems very insignificant to them. Um, but on the other hand, you know, as I said, it, it's great in other ways because I really cared about people and trying to make everyone else happy. I think the big thing, I guess, as an adult is looking back and realizing that it's important to learn boundaries and know how to help others without, you know, hurting yourself in the process. And that's a big balance that I think our tender hearts need to learn how to do. I fully resonate with you because I am a tender heart as well after listening to your description. (laughs) It's really hard when you just want to help everyone, but I feel like tender hearts maybe tend to internalize other people's pain because we're so empathetic and sensitive what more do you write yeah. about about uh, with those boundaries about how to not internalize or how to at least try <laughs> <laughs> well there's different um different levels i guess you know because i'm working right now on a book about the tender-hearted child so how to help children um part of the reason i'm focusing on children is that the goal is that we support them well as they're growing that they'll have you know, stronger boundaries, they'll have a better, better coping skills with adults. Um, I've seen now a lot of adults who are tender hearts who've been really hurt by the world that we live in, mm-hmm. um, and they develop maybe not so helpful coping skills. Um, so there's kind of two sides to it. One is helping kids before they get to that point 
the second is helping those who've been there to heal from that and find better ways to do it. Okay, so then let's talk about the prevention then. Sure. Um, There's a couple things. I think one of the best ways to think about how to help, you know, if you have a tender-hearted child or a tender-hearted student or, you know, someone that you're working with, it's very much like teaching somebody how to swim. Um, When you're teaching somebody how to swim, you know, there's different ways you can do it. The first way is kind of that sink or swim method. You throw somebody in the water, hope they do well, and good luck. Mm -hmm. Um, For some people, that's just fine. For a tender heart, usually that's not a good option because they get easily overwhelmed. And, you know, like the phrase says, sink or swim. Well, if they can't swim, what's going to happen? Yeah. You know, and I, I think a lot of times we do that where we throw our tender hearts in over their heads and they sink to the bottom, and we don't want that. Um, you know, one of the things I talk about is that tender hearts are more at risk for things like depression and anxiety, partly because we keep throwing them in over their heads. Um, you mm-hmm. know, so it's really important not to do that. On the other side, though, you know, it's also easy to keep them on the shore. You know, be the parent who's like, well, they're scared of all of that. I'm just going to keep them where they're nice and safe. Yeah. The problem is, of course, we all need to learn to swim, right? We need to survive in this world, but we need to be able to get out there in the water. So just like teaching a kid how to swim, you got to do it at their pace and slowly push them when you can and know when to not push when it's not time. And just kind of that pace of, okay, Maybe now you can do a little bit more, but I'm not going to throw you in way over your head and make you feel overwhelmed. Yeah. Wow. That's very good advice. I'm taking that all in for my own son. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing is, uh, a lot of tender hearts end up with tender hearted children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it is a genetic trait, um, you know, whether depending, you're born with it, but then of course society kind of dictates how you display it. But I do think it's genetic, and I've had a lot of parents say, well, I guess I'm a tender heart, but I didn't really realize it until my kids, you know, starting to grow up and struggling with the same things. Um, so I, my hope is that this book will be great for parents who are tender hearts and who have tender hearted kids to help support the kid and the tender heart within themselves. Wow. Um, and tell us more about is there a date for when your book is coming out? Not yet. Um, okay. I'm still working on writing it. Wonderful. Um, I thought I was about 80% done, but since I've done the presentation, I've gotten all sorts of new ideas, so I may be 50% done. We'll see. <laughs> um, That's great. Yeah, and so then I'm hoping to um, get a outside, you know, well-known publisher, but if not, then I also have my own publishing company, so I'll stop so we're just kind of waiting to see how that's going to go. Wonderful. Yeah. Is there more you'd like to say about your own personal journey when you started raising your own tender-hearted children? I, you know, it's it's hard. It's hard for any of us, I think, to see our children struggle. It's especially hard, I think, as a tender heart, watching your tender-hearted child struggle because you know what that's like. You've been there. You went through that, and the last thing you want to do is put your child through that. But it's easy to feel like, well, what can I do? Um, you know. And part of the problem is that when our society 
society tends to tell us that something's wrong with us. You know, tender hearts are, you know, you're too sensitive, you're too quiet, you're too this, you're too that. And so a lot of times we feel like we're not good enough. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, then we have kids who are struggling with the same thing, and we're feeling like we're not good enough. And it's real easy to then try to change our child, too. But instead, we need to embrace the value of the tender heart in it, you know, in the children and in ourselves and realize the value that we have because of who we are. Definitely. Yeah, just relating. I remember my son, when he was first born, I felt like I knew right away because him and I were just crying basically by 5 p.m. every day for the first three months because <laughs> we were both so overstimulated with the situation going on and overwhelmed with emotions and everything so yeah it's it's hard um well and that's on top of, you know I'm not sure if all tender hearts are empaths but I know a lot of them are so you mm-hmm. not only you're feeling the emotion your own emotions you're feeling your child's emotions feeling other people's emotions yeah it can be very overwhelming definitely and so that's why I'm so excited that um you're on here and talking to us about okay this is kind of what to look for in a tender heart and this is how to help them so what do we do in a situation when our tender hearted child is overwhelmed what is the best way to comfort or redirect so um, I kind of talk about in my presentation in my book, I've got a kind of a three-step process to teach tender hearts. Um, so hopefully eventually they can do it themselves. But the idea is, the first step is to defuse, then reframe, then believe. Okay. So when, so when they're feeling overwhelmed, the first step they need to do is defuse. Um, you talked about how to redirect them and stuff. You actually don't want to. Well, you might want to, but you probably shouldn't. (laughs) No, this is good. Um, Yeah. They need to go through those feelings. They need to process them. As hard as it is for them and as doubly hard as it is to watch somebody go through that, it's important that you accept that they need those feelings and not Mm -hmm. try to make them hide it. Um, But there are things you can do to help them kind of get through the feelings quicker. So a lot of Using things I talk about are things like um, just taking a break, you know, step outside of the situation, go calm down, go for a walk, um, mm-hmm. write something, um, touching something, you know, if a kid has a favorite stuffed animal or something, that can help them calm back down again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing is that when they're in that stage, they can't really think rationally. Um, they are in, you know, the amygdala. Um, so it's that fight or flight or freeze state, and their mind is kind of shut off. So when we talk, try to talk to them and rationalize things away, they're not hearing you anyway. It's kind of a waste of time, except that they're hearing, oh, my, my feelings don't count. My feelings don't matter. I shouldn't be upset with them. You know, because our natural reaction is, okay, why are you upset? Because you got an orange cup instead of a blue cup, or, you know, whatever triggers them, right? Yeah. Um, but to them, it's a big deal. And for you to tell them it's not is actually devaluing their feelings. Um, and it doesn't help them calm down any. It just tells them that something's wrong, which is 
exactly what we don't want, right? Yeah, because then it translates for them, something's wrong with me. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, So to help them going through this phase is just to help them find ways that will help, that will diffuse them, that will get them back to calm. Once they are calm, that's when you can kind of talk to them and let's look at this in a different light. Why does it matter that the cup was orange instead of blue? Um, But you're not going to do that when they're upset. Only once they're calm again can they really explore that. Um, And then the last stage in the process is just, again, to believe that they are important and that they're who they are is there's a reason behind it. You know, being extra sensitive is actually a trait that's important. Um, It's not a flaw in your system. It's something that uh, is important to us. It's actually genetically, um, they say, you know, like 20% of all higher mammals, 20% of them are more sensitive than the rest. Wow. And that's, yeah, and that's a reason for that because they will protect the rest of the, you know, tribe or the pack or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. They're more aware of the dangers. <laughs> you know, tender hearts, there's a reason why we feel things so much more than everyone else. And part of that is to help protect our world and our everyone around us from the dangers that may be out there that we don't see. And it may not be, you know, physical dangers like a mountain lion, but dangers like, you know, greed and all sorts of things like that. Yeah. And I feel like tender hearts can read, I don't know, I feel like they can read situations. So that's how they can protect as well. They can kind of like see the dynamics because they are able to be so sensitive to that. And I think that a lot of times, you know, you can, a tender heart can see somebody and kind of really see the, what's working behind the scenes, why are they acting this way, why are they behaving this way, mm-hmm. and so they have kind of a broader picture. The problem, though, of course, is when we <laughs> tell them their whole life that something's wrong with them, that they're being too sensitive, that they're overreacting, and then they start to doubt what they know, yes. and then they're afraid to share it, and then we don't have that you know, guidance that we should have, that we need. Yeah, I resonate with that definitely been there multiple times in my life <laughs> I think we all have it's so hard so wow Amy thank you so much um is there are there any last words you want to say about just one word of advice for a tender-hearted person to leave with today the one word of advice I would give is believe believe that there's a reason you are the way you are and you have a gift to give the world so please give that gift don't hide it from us and if people wanted to connect with you just to follow where you might be presenting and to follow along with your book journey how can they do so well there's a couple ways um i do have a website for my publishing company and that's enchantment press um all one word dot com is my website um i also have a facebook uh, community under tenderheart community so you can join us there and join in the conversation and then of course any more you know presentations when the book's out all of that will be public posted on the facebook group and on the website wonderful thank you so much for your time today well thank you i really had a good time
Yeah, this is great. And thank you, everyone. This has been Compassionately You, and I hope you all have a great Monday.